Welcome to the Adaptable Podcast. We're your hosts, Morgan, Anna, Claire, a group of physical therapists and student physical therapists who are dedicated to building a community and breaking down barriers for individuals with disabilities and chronic illnesses who are or want to become a part of our profession. Join us as we embark on this journey and get to know some incredible individuals along the way. Welcome back to another episode of the Adaptable Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. We have Lexi. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I feel so honored to be asked to talk to you guys today. We're super excited to have you. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and where you are in your PT journey? Yeah, so I am actually in Morgan's class or cohort. Um, so I'm in finishing up my first terminal experience. I've finished the didactic portion because we're in our third year. Um, and I'm currently in the acute care setting. I'm at the main hospital in Charlotte, and it has been a wild ride for sure. Definitely. We obviously are a podcast that's kind of dedicated to students with disabilities and chronic illnesses. So how on earth did you find yourself on this podcast? Well, Morgan reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to talk. Um, I am pretty dyslexic, which I really like how it goes with my name. I'm dyslexic Lexi. Um, but it's definitely been a challenge my whole life, but it's gotten significantly noticeable being in PT school because in undergrad, you have so much time to kind of study and you have like, it's not as intense in my opinion. I was an animal science major, so I actually wanted to go to vet school. So I still took all like the really fun classes and hard classes, but it just didn't seem to... Like I knew I knew strategies that could work to kind of get through it. And then PT school is like a completely different beast. And I have had to change how I study. I have to change how I study class to class. I've had to work on strategies that I can, because I can't remember anything. So like trying to get through anatomy was the biggest struggle. I do not know how I did not low pass that class. Um, lab was fine. So I'm one of these people that does really great in the lab and really great in clinic, but you put me in class and I am just a struggle bus city, pretty much. Long-winded answer. I'm, I have dyslexia and I also have a really fun thing where when my body gets stressed, it likes to just kind of shut off and have like a, they're called a pseudo seizure. So I learned that I had that while in PT school because all of a sudden I just started like passing out at random and causing a scene. And I was like, well, what is this? Why is this happening? And unbeknownst to me, everyone was like, oh, you're really stressed and your body doesn't like it. And this is how it's handling it. So that's how I'm here, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So beyond it kind of being a struggle studying, what have your experiences in PT school been like? So what kinds of changes have you had to make and how have your professors adapted with you? 
yeah, so I, like I said, I really have to approach the kind of subject matter differently than other people. I don't really take notes in class. I found that was the best thing, which was kind of crazy. I just kind of fully am like listening to the lecture. So when we switched over to online, it was like another just kind of like cool topsy-turvy like oh you figured it out here you go try and pay attention while staring at a screen like not the best for someone who's easily distracted but I and the whole thing with kind of managing stress I think that was kind of the biggest thing because I also commuted an hour and a half one way to school and home so I just worked to once I figured all that was going on I tried to manage my stress in a more productive way um I made conscious efforts to kind of take time for myself which I know as like PT students we feel guilty when we take time for ourselves sometimes it's like oh I could be using this time to study or to learn more things that I don't know um so I found that that was a really important thing for me and I think it's an important thing for everyone you just you you need to take time so that your brain can kind of reset and that you can reset. Um, and then professor-wise, um, they they were pretty understanding. Um, I am so bad at, I just want it to kind of go away. I'm one of those people where I'm just like, oh, I'll ignore it. It's fine. We don't need to worry about it. And then, it, like I said, I was creating a scene in class when I'm passing out and hitting the floor and people are running around and it's just a hot mess. So they were like, take the time you need. If you need to like not take, we have like this end of year exam. They're like, if you need to not take the exam and take it later, we understand. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not about that. I'm just gonna, just gonna power through and let's take it. But um, they were, I mean, overall they were understanding and they helped my one professor who I do research with her. She really helped a lot, kind of giving me strategies for difficulty with learning like she gave me the idea of making tables making flow sheets um and i found those to be the most helpful with kind of learning the material and i've carried that over into clinic now um because trying to remember all the things you need to know in acute care is a lot and gets all jumbled up in my brain so i have all these flow sheets that i just like have and like quickly look through um but I hope that, did that answer your question at all? I'm so sorry. I was just rambling. Absolutely. Okay. No, no, no. Um, it was great. How about your classmates? So obviously you said your professors were pretty understanding. How did your classmates take either you passing out or how did they help you with different study strategies? Were you able to create kind of a little support group? Um, yeah, so I um, was fortunate enough to have Morgan as my clinic partner the semester after that happened. Um, and she, of course, is so understanding. And I know everything that goes on, like everything going on with her and like challenges she faces like day to day. So I think we're, we were a really good pair because we kind of understood like when she starts going into the corner, I'm like, okay, sit down, I'll take the lead here. And then she would know when I would kind of, I think, have like a flare up that she would kind of jump in and take the lead. So, and then also the study kind of group I had, I hung out with like my little group of people and we just would get together and um, just talking things out, um, doing different study strategies with them. 
I think the the main thing is is kind of bouncing ideas off each other, not just sitting there silently like writing to next to each other, like having active engaged study sessions. I think that was probably. And then there are people who were like, "Oh, I was so worried about you," and I was like, "Thank you. Sorry to cause a scene." And then <laughs> and then that's kind of it. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, everyone was super chill. It's just, I mean. I was hot news for a hot minute, and then, you know, you move on. Pretty much. <laughs> now that you're in clinicals and you're kind of developing your own techniques and approaches to things, how have your experiences changed how you approach treating your patients? Yeah, so um, I definitely, from the kind of chart review, thinking about it, this clinical specifically has really challenged me. Um, my CI is amazing. She's so knowledgeable. Um, and she really challenges me to use my words to kind of explain everything that I'm doing and why I'm doing it because it makes sense in my head, but it doesn't come out the best. So I think um, her making me, as you can tell, I, I ramble because I can't, I'm trying to navigate what's going on up here and it just comes out in a hot in a hot mess again but um so she's trying to make me really think about what I'm saying the best way to communicate that with the patient as to not not give them enough information because I always hesitate to tell to give the patient too much information because I feel like as PT students we kind of come in like real hot and we're telling all these words and we're giving all these like scientific terms and the patient's just like but I just want to get on the edge of the bed or maybe to the chair and so you have to kind of it's good to talk and kind of tell them what you're doing but um and what was the other part of your question sorry how have your experiences changed how you treat patients and oh, you yeah. think about the field i have a lot of patience with patients i Feel like I have I'm able to have a lot of empathy for people um, just from things that I've experienced in my life I have had the, the pleasure of being in and out of kind of a hospital setting and not knowing what's going on kind of with that whole having the stress reaction of having a pseudo seizure or whatever no one really knew what was going on like so that's scary um, especially in the acute care setting I know I keep coming back to that example but that's just where I am right now like these people don't always know what's going on with them. So being just kind of that empathetic listening ear, having that conversation, I think that's really some, something that's really special about our profession. Um, we're able to take the time to like build those personal relationships um, that we can have those honest discussions um, and they feel like they can open us up to us and we build that like therapeutic alliance and then you get them to, someone who doesn't even want to get up out of bed, you have them walking up and down the stairs three or four times. And I just think that even an outpatient, that's something you can do. You have these people who are afraid to move because they're in pain and, and you kind of build that, that trust. And you're like, I'm here for you. You're here for you. I'm going to advocate for you. I'm going to do my part. You have to advocate for you and you do your part. And um, I just think that's a really neat thing with the PT field. For sure. That was a great answer. Morgan and Claire, do you have any questions to jump in? 
Well, kind of piggybacking off of what you were just talking about in terms of advocacy, how have you really had to grow, especially in PT school, in terms of advocating for yourself and then using those skills to advocate for your patients? Like, how have you seen that carry over to your time in the clinic? Yeah, so I um, I actually told Morgan this when she asked me if I wanted to come and talk to you guys. I was like, I feel like I'm the worst person because I don't really advocate for myself. I'm like, oh, just ignore it. It'll go away. But then it doesn't. And that's not a good attitude to have. So it was just kind of a reality check of um, if I expect my patient to advocate for themselves, I need to do it in my day-to-day life too. So taking ownership of um, kind of the most recent example of my CI, I keep getting like the dispo recommendations confused because they all have the word acute in them and post-acute, sub-acute and all these things. And it's just mind-blowing in my head. And so I think taking a minute and kind of telling her like, I understand them. I need to write them out so I can show you I know what I'm talking about. I, I'm, I'm not not understanding it. So kind of taking that time to admit, like, it's not, I understand that it seems like I'm not understanding, but I really am. So admitting when you, when you need help and like, she wrote me a flow sheet and it was, it was good to go. But, um, I think too, with, with patients, you just have to tell them, like, I will do everything in my power that, to help you through this but I need you to do your part as well because that's the only way we're going to get through this together. And I think sometimes it's hard to kind of recognize that if they don't advocate for themselves, they don't take the initiative that you can only do so much. And I think that's something we have to, we have to kind of accept is that if we're giving our a hundred percent and they're only giving you 5%, like it's still, you, you can try, you can try, you can try, but I mean, you have to accept you can't quote unquote fix everyone, but I don't know if that answered your question. I, d- I don't think it did. No, it did. It absolutely okay. did. That was a really great reminder because I know a lot of us tend to get caught up in things and we'll be like, oh, this isn't a problem. Under the rug. Goodbye. Um, if you can't see it, it's not a problem, right? But unfortunately, it'll always come out one way or another. So reminding ourselves that in order to be able to advocate for our patients, we also have to, on the back end, take care of ourselves and advocate for ourselves. Morgan, do you have anything? Hey, Lexi. Hey, Morgan. (laughs) Uh, So where do you see yourself working when you graduate and then what do you hope to be doing as like your ultimate big girl dream job so many things i am all over the place so um as you can tell i think that's just kind of the tone of my life is i'm all over the place um but i i actually kind of like acute care it's it's grown on me it's a it takes some time to get there, but once you're you're in, you're like, all right, like you really have to stay on top of your game in the hospital. Like you can't you can't slack, you can't get complacent. You have to catch like these red flags and 
or maybe getting missed. Um, and I don't know. So I would like to, to maybe, you know, uh, stick with acute care, but my ultimate big girl dream job would be working with Paralympic athletes because I love spinal cord injuries. I love sport population. I love amputees. Like, I just think that all of those are such high level, like individuals, like they are at like the most athletically gifted people, in my opinion, because people who don't have two legs don't have the ability to use their two legs like spinal cord injuries amputees like Claire like you put it perfectly like you have to find a way to get things done and so just the creativity and the, the drive I, I love it it's it's awesome and I think it's also a huge challenge um, as a clinician and just as a person I I think that would be like my that's my dream job I love the and all of the neuro population. I'm on the neuro floor right now, and it's just so fun. It's just such a treat. Every day is a, a new thing. You have patients who think they're in 1947, and you're like, we're not, but let's go walking. Like, and they're with you. They're on it. So I don't know. We have such a cool profession. There's like so much you can do with it. And I think it's, when I came to school, I literally thought it was like, all right, general orthopedic like let's just do some knee replacements 24 7 I was like I don't know how I feel about that and then we came here and wow we do so much it's crazy yeah I love how excited you are you can just hear it in your voice I'm really excited for what you end up doing thanks Morgan <laughs> definitely excited to see where you end up there's a lot of different possibilities there. Definitely. With that kind of passion, I really hope that you pursue that idea of working with the Paralympics because, like, you just know, when you hear it in somebody's voice, you just know that if they get themselves in that niche and they get working in that, oh, my gosh, you're going to go so many places and it's going to be amazing and you're going to make a huge difference, like, not only in the lives of the patients that you work with, but in the other therapists who are also working in that field. So I'm really excited to see where oh, you go. Thanks guys. You're going to make me tear up. <laughs> I just get so excited. I mean, and you guys are awesome. I, I, this podcast is awesome. I love, I love that you guys are, are exploring like the adaptable, like, I don't know, just the, uh, that was a nice, a nice play on words there, Morgan, but I think it's, I think it's great. I, I, like I said, our profession is one where you have to find a way, you got to figure things out. It's problem solving at its finest. And I think, I mean, all of you guys sound like you problem solve day to day. So it's, it's great. You guys are great. We appreciate your support from day one. It's been great. Okay, so one last question for you, Lexi. What advice do you have for pre-PTs or SPTs that might be going through similar experiences to you? Um, I think my, my biggest piece of advice is don't get discouraged. Um, it's, very, it's very easy to get discouraged. Um, I found that I was comparing myself a lot to my classmates who had been pursuing PT since they went to school. And like I said, undergrad, I didn't, I didn't, PT wasn't in my, in my wheelhouse when I went to undergrad. 
so when I came I was like oh all these people have so much experience like I'm so behind I don't know what I'm gonna do and then I had a challenge of kind of trying to navigate being dyslexic on top of that um it's just you have to figure out a way that works for you uh, you have to find people who can help you with that um you're going to find professors who will be more than willing to help you and yeah just just don't get in don't get discouraged i i like i don't know who said it it's a phrase that kind of just sticks in my head is comparison is the thief of joy so don't get caught up comparing yourself to everyone else um you you do you and and it's gonna you're gonna do big things if you want to and you know <laughs> and then how about advice for the rest of the profession so the people that might be working with someone who is in your situation who has these health problems pop up what would you say to them yeah i would say just i mean just be understanding be a good listener when you need to be um don't give unsolicited advice i think I think people are so quick to give you advice on what they think would help you. And you're like, I don't really need that. I just kind of was just, just chatting you up. Um, so I think that is, I think that's a big thing. Um, and also don't, don't get stuck in, in your, in your ways, like be open to figuring out different ways to do things. Like not everything that works for me is going to work for, for you, Anna, and, and everything you do is not going to work for Morgan, and everything Morgan does isn't going to work for Claire. So I think just being open to, to everything that anyone really kind of has and brings to the table, and like, might work, might not, but at least you didn't shut it down. But I don't know. That's really incredible advice, and it's applicable not just in our profession, but really in any profession. After this episode, if anyone's out there listening, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, is there somewhere that they can reach you? For sure. Um, you can attach my uh, email if you want. Um, and then, of course, I'm on the gram. So you can look me up there. I don't know. It's like at Lexi Haggard or something. I don't I'm, I'm there. You guys can reach out. DM me. Hit, hit me up on the DMs. I don't know if I'll be helpful, but... I, I would love to chat with you. And as you can tell, I have a lot of words coming out of my mouth, so. <laughs> well, it's been super great. I'm sure eventually you'll have some people reaching out to you. But thank you for coming out for another episode of the Adaptable Podcast. It was great to have you. Thanks, Lexi. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Adaptable Podcast. If you liked today's episode and want to learn more or be a part of the conversation, you can check us out on our Instagram or Facebook group linked in the description below. You can also contact us via email at theadaptablepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to chat with you. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to hanging out with you next week.